This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manese. And I'm Natalie Theodosi. On today's program, we report from Copenhagen International Fashion Fair. We'll hear from brands including Solan, by Malina Berger and more. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. Welcome to today's show, coming to you directly from Monocle Radio's pop-up studio at Copenhagen International Fashion Fair, or CIF as it's also known. Here, in a space created with the CIF team, we've been playing host to a number of important designers and creatives, and to help set the scene, I'm starting today's show with none other, and, and appropriately, obviously, than Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. This is another so double hand exciting to be live at a different venue. We're used to having this chat at Midori House. They've, they've built up this, this amazing studio at the at the heart of the fair, and we, and we have been broadcasting live throughout it. A little behind-the-scenes insight for our listeners. We are back in London now, but we are recording this uh, on our last day here in Copenhagen. We've got some amazing people uh, coming up on this show that we have talked to, but what, what's been your impressions of the uh, your, your days here in Copenhagen for the for the show it's been incredibly inspiring i think just standing here in our booth doing the interviews you get to see designers and buyers and and editors uh, pass by there's a lot to take in from the way people are dressed to all the brands that are showing their new collections here and of course we've been very lucky to have some of our favorite designers, buyers, industry experts join us here and give us really interesting insights about the season ahead, about Scandinavian fashion and sort of their views on the industry in general. And it's been fascinating to to speak to everyone. It goes without saying that uh, dry January has come to an end. I've, Thank God. Yeah, I know. I, I personally have made the most of that. I, I You know, you actually perfectly invited me to a few parties as your representative and I I feel like I held up pretty well. I don't know. Has there has there been any feedback on my behaviour? Well, I think we should just be truthful. Say that we made a pact right at the beginning of January, and you broke it on day nine or ten. That's pretty good. I fun held for me. strong until january until 31st until i landed in copenhagen so but it did mean it did discipline mean, is not maybe your biggest strength but it did mean that i was able to go to a party hosted by Solland, and i had an amazing discussion over a few beers uh with their creative director silas adler tell me a little bit about about the brand and what makes Solland so special so Solland is a brand that has been a staple in in copenhagen for years now silas started it age 18 having no traditional background in fashion. He was in the skateboarding community and he slowly started building from there. Now the brand is a globally recognized name and uh, has done collaborations all over the world and and also uh, hosted an incredible show at PT Womo a few years ago. Um, And it was great to, I think, speak to Silas about that evolution and also how he has been rethinking what it means to run a fashion business, how he wants to continue in the future, and how he wants to give back, which I guess this is what you were speaking about over over dinner. What felt very special to me about my conversation with him, it was about looking at the impact that a brand can have beyond, I guess, looking after its bottom line. It's about taking care of people and giving back to the community. So let's throw to your chat with Silas now. It's amazing that during this very fast-paced swipe culture, you've took time to slow down and really reassess the way that you approach product, that you think. How has that manifested 
in the latest collection that you are presenting in, in Paris and I guess now here in Copenhagen this week. I'm very happy that the collection really looks and feels like Solan. It's not like, oh, it's a new brand. It's like when Solan is at its best, that's kind of cohesive through the collection. I mean, on a more like nerdy approach, there's a couple of things that I've been trying to do for a long time. Bonding of leather. We bond leather with other textiles. I wanted to do like these leather shirts bonded with velvet. And I've worked on it for maybe two, three years. And whenever we found someone that could do it, there was always something wrong about it. But now we kind of succeeded and I'm quite proud of that product because it's, when you wear it, it feels like wearing a sweatshirt, but it's a leather shirt. It's like the original Solan oversized shirt silhouette. It's like you look and it's like, oh, of course, it's just that Solan shirt. It's like the same what I'm wearing now. And, but then like everything that goes behind it, like down to the stitches and like two different thread colors and like all these things that would always make it complicated, you know. Um, so that's a product where I'm like very, very happy that there's something that really assembles like what I'm trying to do with the whole collection. Amazing. No, it sounds incredible. And that, that things are, you're elevating everything while still sticking to the DNA of the brand. I know that you're, you also mentor some of the younger designers in, in Copenhagen. Uh, tell me a little bit about that and, and how you've, you've seen the, the landscape and the up and coming talent coming out of the city evolve because I think especially this season the, the, the spotlight is really on them. Yeah, yeah. No, but I've been so fortunate to have been, uh, been part of uh, the Vessel and Vet founding. Uh, uh, I've been on the jury and also on the, like, been one of the mentors for a couple of years now uh, and have had a lot of great experience, like, sharing ideas and, and mentoring, like, uh, the next generation of designers. Uh, and I think what the, what the, what the foundation is doing in terms of focusing on, 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 on that stage of fashion is very important for, 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 for this region. It haven't been like a big focus. When I grew up, it wasn't really a focus. It was like a little bit if you came from the school, but, but the fact that it's like on, on like purely on the brand, brand, brand uh, designer focus, I think is, is, is very strong. Of course, working closely with, with, the, with the young designers is super, super inspiring. I'm always like, when, I, when I've started the process, I'm like, you guys are so much better at me than this, you know. I'm happy that I'm here to learn. I mean, I'm going to learn from you. But if I have, like, any thing in my network that can help you with anything, I'm just here to help. But, but really, like, I'm going to learn more from you than you're going to learn from me. Um, so that's been, that's been amazing. And then also the, the work within the jury on the actual, uh, on the day where the prize is, uh, is awarded, the jury sessions are so interesting because it's the, I think it's one of the few platforms that I'm part of where you really have like all aspects of the industry you have like someone that has more like investor background you have some people with press background PR background buying background uh, like brand and design background like like myself all the different aspects in the jury so that the discussions and the talks we have when we are like going through the finalists is, I always go away from that meeting being like, okay, very inspired, very uplifted. So, so I'm, I'm really happy to be part of that. I've also been quite enviously hearing about the conversations you had with my colleague Nick over a few beers last night around resolutions yeah. and kind of rethinking that concept uh, and not 
and not just focusing on things that you do for yourself, but yes. about things that you're giving back. So tell me a little bit more about that and how does that work also when you think about the brand, the amazing support that you give to young designers? Through the, the, the process of like uh, taking a little bit of time to focus on the product also gave me some time to, to, to focus on myself and really be like, okay, I'm at a stage in my life where I want to get the most out of it. I want to have fun and I also want the people around me to have smile on their faces. My wife, she um, like around New Year's, she said like, okay, when we talk about New Year's resolutions, why are we always talking about stuff where we can improve ourselves or like our idea of ourselves? Why are we never talking about how we can do stuff for others where that you basically put yourself out of the equation? Um, and that made me think so much like from like a brand or creator point of view, like how can you have a dialogue uh, and a relationship to the people that wants to engage with your brand that's non-transactional? Like how can you give them something where it's not about them buying something, it's just about like giving them, like if you can do something that just makes someone smile, could that be enough? And could you do it in a way where you actually in that process, get something out of it yourself. Everyone have been talking about community. It's like been a buzzword, the same as, uh, as uh, sustainability or all these things. And I think that the idea of a brand claiming community is wrong for me. You know, if you look up the word, a community is basically like a group of people coming together. If you, as a brand, are the catalyst of that, in a way, it's almost like if you're a brand that are like, trying to create that it's almost like a dictatorship instead like a community is someone that naturally comes together and engage where they agree on it it's not someone where someone is sitting in a tower looking down say like this group of people you have to like this and then when you add the whole idea of like brands that actually pay for people to engage with the brand and then calling that community it's like what's the opposite of that that is like setting something free and that people can just like make their own that was always like the skateboard videos. That was exactly that way. Of course, you could go and buy the skateboard video, but a lot of the skate shop, they had like one copy of a video, and then the shop would be like full of kids that were just sitting watching the, the video. <laughs> they didn't bought anything in the skate shop, but that's a natural community. They were all there because they shared ideas, they shared love, they shared something they, want, they wanted to do with, with their life. And the video was like a way that the brand gave them something because it gave them sensation. How can you do that in fashion? One thing that's very easy is like share your ideas or share things that you love. And maybe someone else be like, okay, I didn't know about that. I love it too, or like it too, or like thanks for putting me onto this. I'm gonna dive into that. It's not rocket science, but I'm just like trying small things. It's like, okay, maybe I should share more of the music that is like the backbone of my thought process. That was Silas Adler, creative director of Soulland. We'll be right back after this. The same stories, the same views dominate global news coverage. But The Globalist goes beyond the noise to unpack what's really happening, to find fresh perspectives and considered voices in current affairs, business and much more. She was doing this all on her own and I think that she's been a real inspiration to journalists around the world, particularly where there are tough areas of freedom of speech. I think that one of the mantras that's going to come out of Washington in the Biden administration going forward is unity, but unity with accountability. 
The Globalist, live every weekday at 8am Zurich time, 7am in London, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Now, Natalie, we, we previously heard from Sila speaking about mentoring Copenhagen's younger designers and participating in the jury of Vessel and Vet Prize. Tell me a little bit about that initiative and, uh, and elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, so starting with Vessel and Vet, I agree with what Silas was saying. It's, it's a, such an important initiative and it's basically a, pr- a yearly prize where uh, financial support is offered to uh, one of the city's young designers and there's also a mentorship element because the jury is made up of really interesting community of designers, press, buyers uh, that come together to pick a designer but also to help the all the participants in their journey. And uh, behind that is Nina Vedel who has been spearheading the initiative for 10 years. This is something that has been going on for over 100 years. Her family uh, founded the city's biggest department store, Magazine du Nord, and supporting brands and and hosting these events and and these get-togethers for the industry has been a tradition for the business uh, ever since the beginning. And it's she has just been bringing it back, modernizing it, and more importantly now, she's expanded it to not just supporting young designers, but also those who which are slightly more established but still need the financial support because this is quite a challenging market as we all know. I mean tell, tell me who some of these these people that are receiving support are who, who are these brands and who are these designers that have that have won and, and got some backing? So more recently Nicholas Govgard um, received the award and he was one of the opening names during this Copenhagen Fashion Week and, and really supported by the international community now so you can really see that this prize can really be a jumpstart for brands and, and there's real support and effort to to help these these young names kind of get started and, and gain recognition on, on an international level. I mean, let's hear a little bit more about that initiative now. Uh, we're going to throw to your chat with Nina Vedel. I think it's crucial for us that we listen to the world out there and how we can adapt in the best possible way. So what happened this year was we had Forza Collective as a new talent, and then Heliot Emil and Sax Potts as our three finalists. As you know, it was uh, Sax Potts who ran off uh, with the winning prize, and um, they have been on the scene for 10 years now. So a big hooray and tribute to what the work they are doing. Yeah, I think actually that's really important because the industry does have a tendency to get really excited about young talent but then forget the brands that might be five to ten years old and they still need support from buyers from people like you from editors tell me having worked with brands at different points of their journey and knowing the landscape right now what are some of the challenges that they're facing and and how are you able to kind of give them a helping hand another thing that we have done is that two years ago we started collab with the Copenhagen Fashion Week because of course it's essential to us I mean we are foundation we can support with money and we can support with our network but to actually get 
a talent out in the world, you need a, a much bigger base. Of course, Copenhagen Fashion Week, that's what they are all about. And they have been amazing in, in my mind to also convert to a different setting and a, a different setup and have very high demands for the brands they are inviting now to have shows. So that synergy with the price, I think, is really good. We, of course, are totally independent. That's what I love about our price, because it's a foundation and we are not married <laughs> with anyone. Uh, so we can listen to the strongest and the most influential voices in the fashion world and the fashion industry and have their advice as to which ways are the winds blowing right now and which brands do we think on a long-term basis have what it takes to survive in the fashion world today. And I think that's testament also to the Copenhagen community and how collaborative everyone is. Do you think that That's part of the reason the fashion scene has been so successful the last few years. Yes, I think we have, of course, been fortunate. If you look upon Denmark, there's been a lot of focus on fashion, food, furniture, <laughs> the three Fs. And that has helped the whole Danish fashion scene along because this focus from all over the world, what is Denmark doing and how are they coping with new demands? How do they look at the climate change and what they do about it? I think we are perceived as a country that adapts really quickly to changes in our society. And, and because we are also people that think in a very minimalistic, maybe, I don't know if it's the correct word, but in a more simplifying way, maybe it's easier for us to adapt to what the world is demanding of us right now. And it's been 10 years since you've reinstated the, the prize and have been working with Danish brands and, and supporting them. Tell me, how have you seen the landscape evolve over 10 years? Because I think there's been an, an immense transformation in Copenhagen. It's now established as a, one of the big fashion capitals. It's a global destination. I mean, we're here at SIF where buyers from all over the world are coming in, placing orders. What is your view on, on this evolution? Well, I'm, of course, uh, very uh, happy for Denmark that we have this attention. And I think it's also because we have some extremely talented people that are driving the fashion scene right now. We also, for many years, have been hosting the Copenhagen Fashion Summit. That was some of the first moves where people from all over the world gathered in Copenhagen to discuss how do we do this in the future? Because um, this is, of course, also about money. I mean, that's no secret. For Denmark, fashion is uh, our third largest export. So at the same time, as we want to export and be good at what we are doing, we all the time have to look at the world around us and see what is the demand? How can we do this in a better and more sustainable way? And I don't want to be keep on using the word sustainability because it's become a, a word <laughs> that it doesn't have the meaning that it used to have. But I still all the time go back to that because we are all responsible for what we are wearing and what we are buying. I think that transformation has come a very uh, long way, but it's not so easy because we are in a privileged part of the world where we can take into account, we can look 
at the fabric say, okay, it's not produced in a proper way or it's not a material that we know can uh, be sustainable. So you and I, we can look at that and say, I don't want to buy it. But for a lot of people, that's not the situation. It's what they can afford to buy. And that will always be the conflict, I think, in the fashion world. Nina Vedel. Finally on today's show, we're going to talk about another Danish fashion success story. Uh, Bymelin Berger is a label that was founded 20 years ago and has become a beloved name in the Danish scene. But Natalie, it's been given a shake-up recently. What's what's going on here? The sisters Ellen and Maya Dickstorter, who are Swedish but have they come to Copenhagen to to work on the brand, uh, joined us uh, here at our booth, and they spoke to us about giving the brand a new lease of life, modernizing it. The founder had exited the brand about a decade ago, so without the founder, it had lost a little bit of its identity. But as Maya and Ellen tell us, they spent years following the brand, uh, working at the shops when they were younger, and now. Now they are at the helm as uh, creative director and, and CEO and really just took its ethos and its identity and gave it a, a, a modern lease of life. It's also interesting to hear two sisters working together and they've tweaked the logo, that they really up their game with the type of fabrics that they choose. The, the silhouettes are really beautiful and modern and also their shops. And I I had spoken to them years ago when they were just starting this journey and we revisited that conversation today. So it's it's just great to see how much they've evolved. And I mean, the brand is now at a stage which is expanding globally, thinking about uh, opening shops in the US. So yeah, you get to uh, hear a little bit about that evolution and and how well they've been doing. Amazing. Let's hear from Maya and Ellen Dickstotter now. For me, the journey and the relationship with the brand has been a 20-year-old love story, in a way. I'm Ellen Dickstutter and I'm CEO at Bimelene Beer. I worked in a store, uh, Bimelene Beer store, 20 years ago while I was studying. And I, I was very impressed by Malena and the way she created the brand and the, and the whole universe around it. And then touched base on the brand on and off during the years. And then 2018, I was asked to join as marketing director as a start. Which I did because I saw so much potential in the brand. Malena left 10 years ago now and and, uh, I think both me and Maya, even if we weren't working for the brand yet, we always discussed the Danish heritage of Bimlenabiria and the enormous potential it had. We saw this vision of something very holistic and and, uh, the feeling of being so much more than just a nice coat, even if Mm. they're very nice. And then you joined forces and now are leading the brand together. Tell me a little bit about the dynamic working together as sisters and also as creative director and CEO. I mean, I joined one and a half years after Ellen. I'm Maya Dickstotter. And I think we had a vision for the brand already. And in our head, it was really clear. We really wanted to create something that brought it back to this, the starting point when Malene founded the brand and then also do it, of course, in a modern way. It felt like we were missing something on the market that were li- really like uh, feminine, uh, bohemian, uh, premium, and uh, something that really filled the world that we wanted to be in when it comes to dressing. And uh, I really just wanted to make a clean slate, start all over, think about the past and also about the future and create something that felt really long-lasting in the style, more think a lot about style more than trends and collection. 
We work with four collections a year, but really try to create a style instead. I know that you've really established some interesting new codes around the brand, whether it's mm. the, the new monogram, um, certain silhouettes. Tell me a little bit about those new signatures that over the last few years you've, you've really made your own and, and associated with the brand and also built a whole new community and, and customers around it. For me, when creating a collection, it always comes down to a feeling. It comes down to textures and colors. And I think those three codes, they float very nicely over the seasons. And that's really about style again. Yeah, and I mean, we also talk often about feeling free and Mm. feeling that you own your style codes Mm. (laughs) and and the way you want to express yourself. And I think it's very clear especially also the way you design Maya, that also always starts with a full idea, even how to style it. Mm. Uh, and the layering and, and the unique pieces that comes together and brings the, the certain coats to life in a way. Some of our pieces, they have a, maybe a unique uh, detail that shows that it's from us, but it could also be quite classic. But it's how you put it together, and that can also create a style think a lot about styling and also how we style then the clothes in our universe in the stores since we also we made our stores yeah the design sits in so much more than just the piece it's also more back to what malian did back in the days it's about the world it's inviting you to Mm. and the customers Mm. the way we create art and antiques and and i think it's it's also joining us both internally in the house but also the way customers interact with us and how they uh, want to come to our different stores or showrooms or Instagram and all all the channels we meet them at. We want it to be at least very warm and welcoming and and not formal and conservative Mm. but there's a freedom to it which is quite Danish I think in a way to think outside the boundaries and, and feel free to express your creative vision. I remember when we first spoke when you were just starting this journey we were saying that there is a lot of momentum around Scandinavian fashion and maybe a little bit of a tendency to brand everyone under this minimalism label. Mm. But you did find that there was a big gap in the market that you wanted to fill that went a little bit beyond minimalism and added this sense of warmth and intimacy to design and to the clothes. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that and if, if that's still kind of the direction that you see yourselves going in and, and the, the USP of the brand? Yeah, I think, again, back to what Manlene did, I think what stood out back then was that you couldn't really say where it was from, if it was Danish or South European or even African in in some aspects. I think that's also something we want to achieve with the collection, so you can't really tell where it's from. It definitely has its root in the minimal, clean Scandinavian, but then a layer of escapism that brings the mind to a bit of a nicer place to be <laughs> that is sort of yeah, yeah, and warm and bohemian. I think also it's very hard to be super creative if you just want to do minimal things. I love minimalistic as well, but I think you need the contrast to make it interesting as well. It should also feel fun to get dressed, you know. You should have something unexpected happening in your look. And always feeling comfortable and, and confident. Yes, yes, that's very important. That was Maya and Ellen Dickstotter. Uh, and look, that just about brings our show to an end. I mean, Natalie, Monocle's fashion guru, we, we've, we've got to provide a quick wrap of the event. What uh, are some of your highlights? Who, who's jumped out? Who should we be keeping an eye on uh, over, over the coming year? I think what stood out 
to me the most it, it would be the conversation with Silas from Soulland and what he spoke about around community because that is a word that is like he said it's it's been thrown around so much uh, in the last few years in the fashion and luxury industries but in reality community is something that doesn't need to be transactional um, and I think I hope that a lot more brands take a leaf out of his playbook and start thinking about new ways of connecting with customers, whether it's by sharing the music that inspires you, sharing ideas, mentoring younger designers. And I think that's a really important point and a takeaway. And that's something great about Copenhagen and Copenhagen Fashion Week that except from showing product, they are very keen on having these conversations and sharing new ideas to, to move the industry forward. So I would say that was my absolute highlight from the conversations that we've had. But I'm equally interested to know that what stood out to you, it's, it's your first fashion week. Usually you're in furniture fairs looking at chairs so tell, tell us your impressions it is it is different to look at garments um uh but i mean it's funny you know use the word community there Silas used the word community and i am actually going to pick that word as well but i i've also seen it i guess from a from another angle and it's it's really how copenhagen can be a model for other cities looking to build a creative scene there's a great heritage of design particularly in furniture in Copenhagen, I mean, every, and Denmark more broadly, everyone knows their heritage brands, your Fritz Hansens and your Carl Hansens. But what I've observed over the past few days, whenever I've had these conversations with uh, fashion designers, they have been talking about the influence of the, the, the city's food scene on them. Everyone seems to men mention Noma and all the spin-offs and what that did to, to elevate the profile of the city. But in turn, through Noma, uh, they started to think about the design of spaces, so architects get brought into the conversation. You have a, a host of young designers coming through that are all of a sudden working on this food scene. Those designers are inherently connected to the, the fashion brands that are established, and they all sort of work in a, I guess, a creative, not vacuum because it's broad and, and welcoming, but in this, in this creative grouping uh, that you know, really allows them to feed off each other. And I think that is what is most special about what I've observed over the past few days. Sure, this is a fashion show, but it's about so much more than that. It's about creati creativity generally. And, and I guess how we can draw inspiration from places or people or the work of, of somebody in another discipline. And I think that for me is, is what's made this so special. I agree with you, which doesn't happen very often. But when it does, it means it's a pretty, pretty potent point. But uh, look, that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print, then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced and edited by May Lee Evans, uh, with recording assistance from David Stevens here in Copenhagen. I'm Nick Manise. I'm Natalie Theodosi. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.